we were and still are the only bakery that exclusively specializes in alcohol-infused cupcakes here in Las Vegas. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Growth Everywhere. I almost said marketing school because I'm so used to saying that. Today, I have a special guest, fellow YEC member, Lisa Song Sutton, 5X entrepreneur, real estate investor, writer at Forbes, TV host, and also Miss Nevada 2014. She does so many different things. And I'm going to let Lisa talk a little bit about all these projects. So Lisa, how's it going? Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you just tell us your story for starters? <laughs> well, I went to college at the University of Arizona, political science, and then I went on to a postgraduate degree at University of Miami. And then I moved to Las Vegas in 2010, started working in a law firm, and you know, I was like working my big girl job there. And, and then 2012 was my first entrepreneurial endeavor, started Sin City Cupcakes, on a whim, uh, we just kind of looked at each other and said, let's give it a try. Let's give it a go. And four months into operation, we got really lucky, got covered by Fox News Business International, and the segment went viral. And so we immediately had customers calling us and emailing us from all around the world who were planning their trip to Las Vegas. So that really helped get us on the map. Cool. And so tell us a little bit about how, how did you get that press in the first place? What made you guys so special? Well, One was the fact that we were and still are the only bakery that exclusively specializes in alcohol-infused cupcakes here in Las Vegas. What? Yes. There was another company that did try to do it, and they went under, I think, in under a year. You know, I don't know what their business issues were, but that was just what we saw from the outside looking in. They popped up and then popped right back down. The way we got the really great press was uh, just a lesson, a business lesson, being responsive to your inbounds. So we got this, like what we deemed as random email in from someone who was saying that they were from Fox News and they were doing a segment on alcohol and the Las Vegas Strip. And somehow they came across our website and they wanted to see if they could come into the bakery and film us. And as we're reading through the body of the email, I remember we were actually together, Danielle and I, my partner with Sin City Cupcakes, and we're reading the inbound email that came in on BlackBerry at the time mm. and I'm reading it yeah. and both of us are immediately skeptical. Like we're like, yeah, okay. You know, we scroll all the way to the bottom and mm. the email signature was, you know, at foxnews.com. And, mm. and so we were like, okay, maybe it's legit. And so we called the reporter back mm. and it was within 10 minutes of having sent the inbound that we called him and he said, okay, great. We'll set up the shoot for first thing tomorrow morning. And he told us that there were two companies that they decided to move forward with us and another company. And it was simply because we were responsive and called right back. Cool. And some of your clientele? Oh my gosh. We are so lucky to have amazing clientele. Um, Majority of our clientele are tourists that are just coming to celebrate a birthday party, bachelor party, special event occasion on the strip. 
But uh, we're very lucky to work with Playboy Golf, with Michael Jordan's golf tournament, Derek Jeter's golf tournament, Zappos, Bacardi USA, Twitter. We have so many amazing corporate clients. It's so much fun. Cool. And you have some Instagram stars, too, like one certain guy. Um, Dan Bolzerian? Yeah, definitely. Uh, We got a chance to be alongside of him at Tropic Beauty. I'm a former Tropic Beauty model and used to compete with their system as well. And we were um, sponsors one year with the cupcakes and I was a judge and he was a judge too. So we all got a chance to hang out together. (laughs) And what were gross sales for the cupcake company last year? Last year, uh, we just we did just over two million. Cool, mm-hmm. awesome. So, how does it work exactly? I'm so curious. So, how many cupcakes does it take for? people to get wasted? <laughs> well, we have a joke and it's a bad joke. You'll get diabetes before you get wasted. Um, because there's uh, the way we get the alcohol in is inside a proprietary filling that's injected into the cake after it's baked. So you have cake, you have filling, and you have frosting all together in one bite. We did have a competitive eater come film who basically he was trying to answer that question, you know, how many cupcakes will it take to get wasted? And he ate 26 standard size alcohol infused cupcakes and as you can imagine you know wasn't feeling too great after but it's just because that's a lot of cake you know it's a lot of cake it's a lot of filling it's a lot of frosting right so we thought it was pretty hilarious it was a good time did he get wasted he said he definitely felt something so (laughs) so we'll leave it up to judgment got it okay how do you guys typically charge for cupcakes is it like per cupcake or like a box how does it work we bake and sell by the dozen Uh Mm -hmm. and how much does a dozen cost so 36 a dozen for the minis and 46 a dozen for the standard size. That includes two flavors. We also have an option called the Baker's Choice, uh-huh. which is a variety of what we're making fresh daily for other orders. And so that's 42 a dozen for the minis and 52 a dozen for the standard size. Wow, these are premium cupcakes. They are. I mean, we utilize premium ingredients in the mm-hmm. sense that you know, even our cream cheese frostings, we've tried tons of different types of cream cheeses. And Philadelphia cream cheese is, mm-hmm. is the best for us. It stands mm-hmm. up to you know, making that frosting taste delicious and Philadelphia cream cheese isn't cheap. (laughs) All right. So you got this, this company and then you have, you got four other things. How many things are you working on right now? Well, I've got four companies that I've co-founded and Mm -hmm. then I'm an investor and advisor in, in several others. So uh, there's Elite Homes US, which is luxury real estate. Liquid and Lace, which is a swimwear company. Brand Bridge, which is a marketing app that pairs small and medium-sized businesses with local and regional social media influencers. And then I'm an advisor and investor in Glow, which is a company that's created the world's first light-emitting plant. So it's pretty cool. Wait, how does that work? <laughs> so have you seen like Avatar Forest? Do you yeah. remember the movie Avatar and like the glowing forest? Similar idea. So basically what they did, it's a genetic modification. Mm -hmm. And um, it took several years for the technology to get right. And it's pretty incredible. They've genetically modified plants where they're able to emit its own light, autoluminescent. It's constantly emitting. And so in darkness, total darkness, it's emitting light. So the goal is Mm -hmm. to eventually um, create the modification where it's emitting enough light to hopefully reduce our dependence on carbon emissions right. and dependence on electricity. The whole idea of having, a, you know, instead of street lights, you could have parks mm-hmm. that are autoluminescent. You could have your front yard foliage or backyard foliage. You know, people spend a lot of money on lighting and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And 
You could have autoluminescent trees. That's really exciting. I love that company. Cool. Um, Glow, G-L-E-A-U-X. Also, Youngree is a, an entrepreneur media company based out of LA. And yeah, I'm excited to, to be part of that as well. Anything that helps startups and entrepreneurs, it's really, it helps, um, it pushes my button because I also get a chance to learn. Cool. So your criteria is basically if you're getting to learn something else and it's helping other entrepreneurs, that's how you decide to move forward on a project. That's certainly a, a large part of the qualifications. And of course, you know, you have to look at who's involved, right? Who are the founders, if you're not a founder, who are the founders in the company? Where's the backing coming from? What type of support system do they have? And that's just, that's not just monetarily, that's who's on the team, right? Mm-hmm. Who's on the team and what other endeavors do they have? What skill sets do they bring to the table and how can you best complement that too? Okay. So what do you think is your main driver? Like, you know, the, the, all the stuff that you're doing right now, what's like the ultimate goal? What, what really pushes you every day? Well, for me, ultimately, um, for most of my companies, I'd like to build and sell. I love the startup phase. Um, I love building the brand. And when you have companies that have aged a little bit, you know, you get those offers and solicitations from larger companies um, or other conglomerates that may want to purchase. And so building and selling, aside from the real estate company, building and selling is my ultimate goal with everything else that I'm doing. Um, with the real estate, it's a legacy company for me. My partner with that, Devin, both he and I are rooted here in Las Vegas. Um, we've been so blessed to have a wonderful experience utilizing and, and selling luxury real estate here in Las Vegas. So it's something that we'll be able to do, you know, well into times when we aren't going to be physically able to be as you know mm-hmm. mobile as we are now. And also just to help build and foster the real estate industry here in the city. So back to Sin City Cupcakes for a little bit. You guys got that initial press bump. After that, you know, what led to your next thousand customers? So we were really big on doing collaborations. And so we had a chance to team up. This is 2012, right when food trucks were starting to become a thing here Mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. And we teamed up. Our very, very first collaboration was in that same quarter where we like got all that press and all the excitement, we teamed up with Fuku Burger, which is a great burger place here in Las Vegas, owned by Colin Fukunaga. It's called Fuku Burger, F-U-K-U Burger. <laughs> and they've got multiple locations now, like brick and mortar locations. But back in 2012, they had a really popular food truck. And so we teamed up with them. I think it was might have been for like 4th of July or something. And we teamed up with them and we got a truck. We got a cupcake truck. It's built by Mercedes. It was super cute and girly. Yes. And that really helped, again, put us on the map because it got us great press that we had Las Vegas's only alcohol-infused cupcake truck. Mm-hmm. But that also opened up the door for a whole other line of revenue that we didn't realize we could tap into. And that's your weddings, events, and convention clients. Yes, you could tap into them on the catering side, which we've done many times, but having the truck is a whole other element. There's actually, there's a convention yearly called Nightclub Bar Show, which is one of the largest in the country. It's held here in Las Vegas every March. We actually pull our truck into the convention center Mm -hmm. because that's how unique they think that it is. So Getting that helped differentiate our brand, helped differentiate our product immediately. And it, like I said, opened up that whole other revenue mm-hmm. from a, a market that we didn't realize we could tap. Got it. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, because you guys had that unique spin with the alcohol infused, right? And it actually tasted sure. good. And you guys had these other kind of partners that you can collaborate with. That's, that's kind of the magic that made everything happen, right? So I think that's a good lesson for everyone. I mean, 
the one thing I would caution for for a lot of people, especially in the, in the tech space, is uh, oftentimes people will think partnerships are like the first level of customer acquisition, and oftentimes like the partners aren't really going to care about you ultimately. So you got to rely on yourself ultimately, which is why Lisa started off with press first and had a unique spin on the product, which I think is super important because oftentimes like. People will rely completely on partnerships and then boom, their business disappears. Well, and the key with partnerships and collaborations is that you have to bring different items to the table. You can't team up. We wouldn't, I mean, I guess we'd be open, but I doubt we'd team up with just another cupcake company, right? Like how are we, even though that's the same target market, Mm -hmm. we share an audience, but how can our audience grow, right? right? So teaming up with Fuku Burger, for example, a super popular food truck that already has its own following of people who probably knew nothing about us before we showed up with them. Mm-hmm. That's the type of collaboration you want. You want Smart. to tap into people who have never even seen you before and didn't even know you exist, but it, they're already there because of your partner, right? Mm-hmm. They're there because of who you're collaborating with. Right. So question for you. I mean, this is one thing I struggle with all the time. There's so many things I'm working on and it's like, you know, I'm actually trying to kill projects right now because there's so many things. With all the stuff that you have going on, how do you focus? Well, I certainly don't do anything alone. I don't do it alone. Um, I have really great partners in everything that I do. I have great operational teams and staff. I mean, I'm by no means a, a, a one-woman show. It's just it, it physically would be impossible, right. right? Yep. So you can't do it alone, I don't think. that That's my personal I opinion. Agree. You can't do it alone. You have to team up with partners. You have to team up with the right people that complement your skill set. And you've got to get to know them. You know, you have to know how do they react when they're under stress? How do they react when they're being yelled at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, like you have to see them kind of at like the ugliest times so that you know, okay, I know that he or she doesn't handle stress in the same way that I do. So that's a good thing. So that way we can like complement each other when it comes to some sort of crisis, which will happen in your business. Mm-hmm. So you can't do it alone. Um, so for me, it's comforting and also like physically so important to have people I can rely on, people that I can bounce ideas off of, and people that can share the journey with you. And so is your calendar like blocked off for certain projects at like certain like mornings of this project, this afternoon is this project? How does your calendar look? Some days it can be like that, but it literally just depends what's going on. No two days are the same. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you look at like a, a one week period of seven days, the weekends are like the work weeks for the cupcakes. Yet for the real estate, you know, Mondays are crazy, right? Just because that's when the rest of the world is answering emails and, and kind of back to it for business. So it just really depends on what's going on, especially with the real estate. You have ebbs and flows. It's cyclical when it comes to season and mm-hmm. when buyers are looking or when sellers want to sell. You know, it gets crazy kind of towards the holiday time leading up to holiday time because you're talking about year end. So sellers sometimes need to liquidate their assets for tax purposes, right? Mm -hmm. So now it's time to reevaluate price. It's time to drop some things. It's time to take things off the market and put it back on in the spring, whatever that is. And then with the cupcakes, it depends on what convention's in town. There's always something different that's coming in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do we have golf tournaments lined up for that weekend? Do we also, is it wedding season? I mean, there's so many things that we consider. And so it just depends on what's going on. So with the cupcake business, what's one big struggle you faced while growing it? I think in the beginning, the struggle we had was um, we had a brand new product to market, right? So we had to educate the consumer on what it is. And even now you say alcohol cupcakes, people kind of get it. And they're like, well, is that like, you know, pouring uh, liquor into the batter? And for some, that is what it means. But that's not what it means for Sin City Cupcakes. Like I said, we take the time and effort and 
just everything else that goes into it to create this proprietary filling, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the alcohol is. So I think it's, uh, for us, it was difficult for consumer education. We had a brand new product that we had to take to market and we had to tell people what it was and then also tell them that they would like it. And right now, you know, it's, um, I think just scaling it, really taking it to to make it a $10 million company. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? That means that we need to have more corporate accounts. So right now we service certain corporate accounts like we've serviced Sugar Factory, uh, Nacho Daddy, which is a very popular Mexican restaurant here in Las Vegas. They have multiple locations. So we are on certain special events menus and, and restaurant menus, but how do we gain more of that kind of wholesale corporate clientele? Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've been working on actively. With the projects that you've worked on so far, what's what's one constant that you've experienced across board? What's like one constant learning that you've seen? I think being able to adjust to any of like the crazy inbounds that come in. Like I said, you've got to learn quickly, not only how you react to stress, but also how your partners do too. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a partner that freezes up and isn't able to tackle it head on, you have a problem, you know? So everyone on your team needs to be versed in crisis management. How do you test for that? Like, because you mentioned like having to be able to see people like in their you know tough times and all that, but oftentimes you don't really get to like. How do you test for that to see if they're the right partner? So with all my partners, I was friends with them before mm-hmm. we went into business together. And people say, "Don't get into business with friends," right? Yeah. That's like one of the first mantras that people yeah. people say. And yeah. I don't think that's the case. I think it can be done if everything's laid out up front, right? You've mm-hmm. got to have roles and responsibilities defined because. When are we disappointed? When is there conflict? When expectations are not met, mm-hmm. right? right? So if you come to the table with one set of expectations and he or she comes to the table with the other set of expectations and they don't line, mm-hmm. you have a problem, right? There's a conflict. So having that really clear, concise communication and having those frank discussions of, okay, so what happens if one of us doesn't want to be in the company anymore? What happens if one of us doesn't feel like the other's pulling weight? Having those frank discussions of mm-hmm. stepping through that. But yeah, I was friends with everyone that I've partnered with prior. Mm -hmm. And so I got to see them in their happy times. I got Mm -hmm. to see them when, you know, just external bad life stuff occurred, you know, Mm -hmm. like they got into carts or whatever, you know, just just bad life stuff happens. I've been there to see that. So, you know, you know how they react and, and, you know, what type of skill set and mechanisms they utilize when there's types of stress. Do you think your background in law helped? Absolutely. I mean, it still helps today because even with real estate, all real estate is contracts. Right. It's contracts and negotiations. So that was a huge background for me that was still helpful to this day. I utilize it every day. And what's nice is that I still have a great relationship with my old law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as you know, being in business, you've got to have a law firm that has your back. And so it's nice to, to have them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, there's one business I have where there's two of my high school buddies, one one's from elementary school, one's from high school. We're in there and it, it's, it's working out well. And then there's another one where I've known this guy for about 10 years and he's helping me with, with a couple other things right now. So it does work. I totally agree with you. And yeah, I think you do actually have to get to know them because with one of my partners right now, I actually didn't get to see how he is like when he you know, goes through stress and all that. You see it later, but I, I, to- I totally think uh, if you've seen how they are, you know, it might work out. So Who's the guy that said, don't fucking work with your friends? I think it was the guy that coached like Steve Jobs and what's his name again? Do you remember? Guy from, I forgot. I'll have to drop <laughs> it in the show notes. I think it's something Campbell. Bill Campbell, I think. If okay. you guys can Google that, we'll drop that in the show notes. I guess another question for you would be, what's one big change you made in your life, positive or negative, that, that's really impacted you? 
I think that I guess a change was having that mental clarity and focus of realizing that that I can do more outside of business by pursuing something that's totally not business related. Mm-hmm. So when I took on my pageant endeavor and uh, became Miss Las Vegas and then went on to win Miss Nevada, I did over 500 community appearances in wow. 18 months. <laughs> wow. That's a lot. It's a lot. It was, you know, reading at schools, volunteering at hospitals, walking mm-hmm. red carpets. I was everywhere, all across the state, like mm-hmm. not just in Las Vegas. I was up in Reno, Washoe County. I was everywhere. And so while that experience physically took me away from the businesses, I had frank discussions with my partners before I took on the pageantry and they were very supportive and excited for me. And I told them if I win, I want to take it really seriously. Like I want to be the best Miss Nevada. And, and I took that really seriously and I did. And, um, yeah, it, that that for me was like the biggest change. Um, realizing for your business to grow and excel doesn't mean that you have to be pounding the pavement in your business day in and day out. Mm-hmm. It can mean that you can pursue something that really matters to you and, and that speaks to your heart. And your businesses will grow from that because other people will see you. Right. And you're building relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So that, you have that. And then also there's a show that you host, right? Yes. So yeah. it all comes full circle. Exactly. And that show was a direct correlation from contacts that I made during my time as Miss Nevada. Mm -hmm. And they knew me as a person in the community. They knew me as a business person. And they approached me about this opportunity. Awesome. So that's how that came out. So, I mean, this is something I I talk about a lot on uh, marketing school with, with Neil and just everything that we do. I mean, this podcast itself, after the first year, we're getting like nine downloads a day. <laughs> year two is like fifty-four dollars a day, like nothing, right? And then you just stay consistent with it, and, and things start to happen. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it, it, like, it can be like winning a pageantry, or it can be like staying consistent with the podcast or blogging, whatever it is. You just have to stick with it, and that's kind of what you did, right? Absolutely. It's you know, people always kind of laugh about the pageantry if you're not in pageantry because mm-hmm. you don't quite understand what it is, but. I really had to buckle down and, and put in serious work to win. The, I had stiff hard. competition, yeah, you know. Yeah. I had stiff competition. And, and what people don't realize, there's four areas of competition. Interview, swimsuit, evening gown, and onstage question. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when you think pageant, you usually just think of, like, girls in their swimsuits, which mm-hmm. is part of it. Mm-hmm. But that's only 25% of your score. Right. So interview and onstage question, what are you doing during those? You're talking. Mm-hmm. That's 50% of your score. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. A lot of girls don't realize that when they're competing. Right. And so when I won, my first runner-up, she was the first runner-up the previous year as well. So everyone was kind of like, oh, wow, like watch out for her. And she's very stiff competition. Mm-hmm. Watch out for her. And there was, you know, a small percentage that was like, it's her time mm-hmm. to win, you know. Yeah. She beat me in swimsuit, like score-wise. Mm-hmm. My director told me that she beat me in swimsuit and she beat me in evening gown by like a small margin. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. But where I crushed her mm-hmm. was an interview and on stage question. And so that combined to be a total of 20 points that I beat her by. Mm-hmm. How, how that, was what's that? the total on that? Like, so you have 20 points. I, what's the total to win or the highest score you can get? It's out of 100. Out of 100. Yeah, out of 100. Got it. Mm-hmm. Wow, so you, wait, you beat her by 20? 20 cumul- cumulatively. Okay, got it, got it, got, mm-hmm. it, got, it, got it. Okay, huge. Okay, mm-hmm. so what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 20-year-old self? Don't be so worried about choosing a path. So at 20, I was in undergrad. I had made up my mind probably in junior high that I was going to go to law school. And 
it was mostly just because I was like, well, I'm good at reading and writing and there's no math requirement for law school. So I'll go to law school. Right. And my dad had this joke. I was like six or seven. He said, you either have to be a doctor or a lawyer when you grow up. Asian parents. <laughs> well, and, and it gets even funnier because, of course, I was like, well, why is that? And he said, you either have to be a doctor to take care of me in my old age or a lawyer to sue the SOB that doesn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's been our running joke ever since. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just on this kind of path. Like, I was like, oh, I'm just I'm going to law school and I'm going to be this fabulous corporate attorney. And, and that was my life. That's what I thought it would be. And then... Obviously, you know, now fast forward, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm in my early 30s and 31 and, and my life is very different, but extremely blessed. You mm-hmm. know, I'm so happy with what I'm doing. And yeah. yeah, so I think that's what I would tell myself. You know, don't don't be so concerned about choosing that one singular path. And that's the same message that I say to kids when I speak to them in schools. I just spoke at, at a, a charter school called Pinecrest Academy that's here in Vegas last week to their seventh and eighth grade finance and business classes. And I told them seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. Finance and business classes, smart kids, super smart. Uh Is that like a gifted school or something? It's a charter school. Yeah. It's a good charter school. And I told them, I said, yes, you know, I'm a huge advocate of postgraduate education, higher education, right. Pursuing that. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, here in, in school, you have to pick a major, right. And that's fine, but don't feel that whatever you choose is, something that you have to make a 40-year career out of. Right. Even if you go to postgraduate school, right? Mm-hmm. Even if you go to medical school, dental school, law school, whatever it is, you don't have to stay in that industry mm-hmm. for the next 40 years of your life. You can take the lessons you've learned and the network mm-hmm. you make. I went to school with some amazing people, mm-hmm. you know, the network that you make and turn it into something else and right. utilize it as a backstop for everything else that you're doing. And it helps enhance what you do. Yeah, totally. I mean, the way I see it is like each each stage or each you're basically going past levels and you're trying to level up to the next thing and then you can go do whatever you want at a certain point but you got to pay your dues at each level right Absolutely. so maybe you started you know you go to college and you go to a law firm and then it's like you go you go start like other businesses right so mm-hmm. i don't you know i don't think you necessarily people feel the pressure because you see everywhere in the media like everybody's starting business everybody's raising you know a couple hundred million dollars or whatever it doesn't have to you know it's not saying people are expecting you to jump there you can certainly like take your time and level up to get there and then certainly things will start to move quickly. I read a quote and I think it really resonated with me and it said, every new level of your life will demand a new you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so poignant and and just spot on because you do, you have to learn and adjust and grow. And if you're not growing, you know, and, and, and it, it, of course, like, Bad things happen sometimes in business, right? If if you don't turn those into teachable moments and all you do is like play the victim of like, why did this happen? It was so bad. It's going to happen again, mm-hmm. right? You have to turn it into a teachable moment, which as a result changes you. Right. What's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's had a huge impact? It could be a tool like Evernote. It could be like, I don't know, you bought like a microphone or something. <laughs> uh, well, there's several. Um, one is utilizing a VA, a virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. So where? helpful. From uassist.me. Okay. Um, so helpful. Just kind of, I guess, to like tasks that you wouldn't think to ask someone else to do because you're like, oh, I'll just do them. Mm-hmm. But for example... Um, Devin and I were working on um, some real estate data and we realized, you know, it'd be great to know what is the most expensive property listed in every single state in the United States and who is it listed with, right? What brokerage, who's the agent? And I was like, oh, well, I guess I should start Googling, you know, and I was like, this is going to take me forever. 
I had the VA do it. And she sent us this like beautiful spreadsheet that had like the property address and the brokerage and the contact information. It was like the best thing ever. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. Like this was such a smart utilization of time and effort and money, you know? So using VA for sure. And then there's an app called Charlie. Have you heard of this? Yes. Yeah. You popped up on it. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So I love that because it just... It helps keep me on track in relation to who you're meeting with, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many people that you end up meeting with over the course of a week. And mm-hmm. so it's nice to get those little pop-ups and, and it helps you feel more prepared when you're going in. Right. Okay. So you got Charlie and you assist on me. Great. Um, what's one must-read book you recommend to everyone? There's one that I love. It's an old, it's an oldie but a goodie, I think. It's called A Shark Never Sleeps. Mm-hmm. It's by Drew Rosenhaus. I've never heard of it. He's yeah, a sports that. agent. And okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's a sports agent and really good at what he does. Like Jerry Maguire was based on him. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book. Um, I think it was originally published, I don't know, maybe in the early 90s. And it's called A Shark Never Sleeps. And it's great. I, I would definitely recommend that. I just finished a book called Contagious. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting because it has these small snippets and stories and anecdotes about why things go viral. Why you know, was this campaign successful and this one wasn't? So it was really interesting to to read it with application in relation to your brands. And then, I mean, past that, I read a lot of fiction, actually. I read a lot of nonfiction for, like, development, but my, like, guilty pleasure or, like, pleasure reading is um, Stephen King. I love okay. Stephen King books. <laughs> really? Okay. So you're into horror. Yeah, surprisingly, which I hate scary movies. Like, that's not my deal. I hate haunted houses. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not... But reading is a, di- it's a different experience, huh? It, well, and yeah. Stephen King writes it just so smart. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, I guess he is considered that horror, almost like supernatural genre, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're reading the story and you're immersed in it, the characters are just so real. So when this, like, supernatural stuff is happening, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem supernatural. It just seems, like, like scary, you know? Right. He's really... I, I think he's a very talented writer. Great. Okay, so we got three books, or we're gonna one author and two other <laughs> books. We'll, we'll drop that in the show notes. I haven't heard of that that shark book. I'm gonna have to pick that one up. Yeah. What's one publication or blog you tune into every day? I listen to NPR. Um, I listen to a lot of NPR, but EO on Fire, of course, your blog. I mean, there's there's so many great um, blogs and and a lot of great content that's out there. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's really important to get your hands on all of it. Why not? You know, it's free too. Mm-hmm. Lisa, this has been awesome. There's so many different ways to find you, obviously, but what's the best way for people to find you online? Just certainly my website, lisasongsetton.com. And then uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are all at lisasongsetton. Great. Before we go though, what does the Sutton part mean? <laughs> well, so my father's American, my mom's Korean, okay. and so Lisa Song Sutton is is my full name. Got it, got it. But the, so Song is my mom's maiden name. Uh-huh. Song is my middle name. It's my mom's maiden name. It, so we sense. made up my middle name um, when I was oh. modeling in Florida. Um, the agency was like, "Your last name's Sutton. Lisa Sutton sounds white. Mm-hmm. We need you to get more booking. So you need to start modeling under Lisa Song." And so it stuck because it worked. Yeah. <laughs> but ever since then, I just, you know, continued to utilize it because there's so many people from the industry that knew me as Lisa Song. Awesome. Well, everyone, make sure to check out Lisa's stuff. She's everywhere online. And we'll see you in the next episode. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.